my god, that sucks. <laughs> I love it. All right. What's up, dude? What up, bro? How are you? Super good. How about you? Good. How was the experience with the, the sled and everything? I feel like I should have uh, prepared better for, for what I was going to go through. I, I didn't do much cardio recently, and then getting out there, I was like, oh, man, this is <laughs> this is tough. But uh, it was fun. It's good. Good way to start the day. So I call that the warm-up from hell, and I've been doing that. I can see why. Yeah. I've been doing that with, with some of our guys. So is it aptly named? Yeah, I would say it's accurate for sure. Okay. Yeah, if you're listening, it's a it's a it's a sled. It's like one of those tank sleds. I just found at a random gym equipment store nearby here. I didn't plan on buying this thing, but they they had it, and I was getting some like plate weights. And I saw <laughs> this thing, and I'm like a big like knees over toes guy. I was telling I was telling you about knees over toes guy, yeah. but you've never seen it before. No, nope. I'll have to look them up later. But um. Yeah, I saw this this sled, and it, like this is what the knees over toes guy preaches is just like basically pull like a sled, like go backwards, like that's how you should train your legs and train your knees. Um, because you know, if you think about like if you watch like an athlete do anything, like if you're jumping, your your knee is like over your toe. Yeah. Right. So it's like trains backwards, and it kind of like works out your knee, mm-hmm. like makes your legs stronger. But you could probably use it. Yeah, for sure, for my ACL recovery stuff. Yeah, when did that? When did you do that? I think I tore it in 2016. It was the year after I graduated from UNCW. So, and then it takes like nine months to go through all the surgery and reconstructive stuff. And so then after that, I was kind of back to normal. Okay. Yeah, I still feel it though. You still feel it? Yeah, it's always more sore, and it feels weird when it rains. And so you felt it in the cold plunge for sure. Speaking of, it was your first cold plunge. Yeah. How do you feel? I liked it. I think I would do it again for sure. Yeah. Definitely rejuvenating, like refreshing, just feel more alert. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. First three seconds suck. Oh yeah. You took it like a champ though. <laughs> you said get in fast. I was like, all right, here we go. That's the only really piece of advice that, that works <laughs> is just get in. And then my breath was gone until a couple seconds after that and recovered. Yeah. Yeah. No. I like the I like the routine. I'm I'm happy you're able to do it. Yeah. You know, thanks me. for inviting me. Yeah, dude. Um so we've known each other since 2019, probably like February-ish. Probably met you before I went out and sold. Yep. Some sometime somewhere around there in Wilmington, maybe. Yeah. But you've been doing this since 2015. Yep. First summer 2015. It was the year after I graduated, so I started like three days after graduation. For for anybody that's not that doesn't do door-to-door or pest control. We're talking about door-to-door pest control yep. sales. The glorious industry. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'll hype Damon up here. You, you've you created a little empire over here on the East Coast, and uh, it's been really inspiring for guys like myself and I know a lot of other dudes to see, and it's what's kept me around. It's what, like, inspired me to grow. So, um. What's what you know? Quick run through for maybe friendly for people that don't really know anything about pest control or door to door. Yeah, too because I want I want them to be listening as right. well. What's like the thirty thousand foot overview of yeah. what it looks like? Yeah, and how and how the hell did you like get started with pest control? Like, what made you want to choose this as your financial path? Your career yeah. Path? So growing up, I kind of grew up lower middle class. I would say like we 
we kind of struggled financially. And I remember watching my parents like have this scarcity where if any catastrophe happened, like a car broke down or anything, it could, you know, mess up three months of their life where they were trying to recover from those financial things. And so I was always looking for some way to make money because I was paying for myself to go to school at UNCW. And I was always working in the summer to be able to afford to continue to go to school, you know, in the fall. And so what did you do over the summer? You just work in restaurants? I did nine different internships or jobs while I was in school. I sold motorcycles when I got here. I sold diploma frames outside of like... Because you raced, you you raced motocross. I raced motocross growing up until my dad lost his job whenever I was probably like 15 or 16. And we kind of stopped racing at that point. And then um, I... I did diploma sales. I worked at a cell phone repair store where I helped to repair electronics and also sold accessories. And this I, was just like this was all like throughout school. All just, throughout school. Yeah, I worked at Enterprise, rent a car. I did this advertising sales job. I I did all kinds of different stuff in school, and pretty much I was doing it because I had to work like thirty five to forty hours a week while going to school full time in order to be able to afford my tuition and my rent and be able to eat. And did I used to. My budget for a semester of school for like spending was like $1,400, which is crazy to think about like that semester. Yeah. For like a five month period. Right. Like (laughs) that was like how much I would spend. Like I never ate out. I would only eat on campus or like make food at my house. Like I was super frugal. Um, but it was by necessity. It's like, one, it's like one courtside ticket we're going to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's crazy to think about now. Um, but so basically going through all of that, I was always trying to find like the next thing that could help me make more. Like I went from doing, you know, car dealership sales or motorcycle sales to working at enterprise rent a car cause they offered me more money. And so I was always kind of trying to figure out what I could do to make more. And one year I was at home, um, I was getting ready to graduate and this girl that I grew up with, she told me she had so a this friend. is your senior year. Yeah. And senior year you were at home during the school, during like, it's probably like semester. maybe around, spring break time i would think because it was close to the summer yeah and yeah i signed up three weeks before i went out my first year uh and so she tells me that she has a friend that had made good money selling pest control over the course of the summer and that they're going to be at their house on like saturday and i should come over there and meet them because she knows i was always like trying to make more money and i was always trying to figure out like what i was going to do to kind of break out of this you know financial struggle that my family and i had kind of been in so um i was preparing to graduate and take a job at Edward Jones. I had already accepted a role there. I'd done their internship program as well. And so Edward Jones is pretty prestigious like as a financial job. They get more applicants in a day than what they accept in a year. Mm. And so I was like, you know, pretty excited to go and do that. I already had my Series 7 and my 66 licenses. I'd studied for tons of time and passed those tests. Why'd they want you? Did you just do well in the interview? Yeah, that's a good question. So they do a 12-round interview process, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Like, you interview with so many different people throughout their process. And then I actually flew to New York and met with a bunch of their people up there as well as part of my process. And so the reason they wanted me is because I had sales skills and a lot of what their... They can teach anyone the financial side of it and being able to do the numbers, but a lot of their roles are like, you know, customer facing. And so you have to be able to sit down with somebody and give a good presentation on like the portfolio that you're offering and then be able to convince them the direction that, you know, they're going in with you is the way to go. And so that was one of the reasons why they wanted me. I also, on my resume, I had a bunch of different, you know, financial roles that I had done. I had interned at a PE company called Seahawk Innovation here and a bunch of other stuff. And, um, at the bottom, I had like some sales experience where I had sold business to business advertising. I sold like ads in the back of the UNCW student planner. That's when you worked for 
Ryan McLaughlin. Ryan, okay, yeah, that's yeah, how I met Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Ryan that's in a, the interview, he's like, "Sell me this pin," and I sold him the pin. Yeah. He's like, "All right, you're gonna do really well with me." And then me and him got really close through that process, and obviously worked together at Aptive for a long time too. So he's one of my good friends. So the wolf of discount. Yeah. What were they disc? Were they discount? Cards? We basically or... were selling. So like every student at UNCW gets a planner at orientation, and in the planner on various pages throughout, there would be like a coupon for Jimmy John's or a Smoothie okay. King or like. So my job was to go to all the business around the university and say hey there's like 14,000 students right here in your backyard like pay $800 to me and I'll design an ad for you and we'll put it in the planner right and so I was the number seven person in the nation that summer out of about 700 sales interns doing that and you'll laugh at this but I made $4,700 over the course of my summer break and I was like at the top of people selling for them right so nothing in comparison Big to what money. you can make it active. Yeah, exactly. Barely was able to pay for my rent over the summer. Um, but so through that process, I had proven I was good at sales. And so Edward Jones liked that part of my resume as well. And they asked me about that all the time. So I did, I was going to go the Edward Jones way, but then this girl tells me that I need to meet this guy, TJ and TJ happens to be at the lake. He tells me kind of how it works. We go into high income neighborhoods all across America. In those neighborhoods, a high percentage of homeowners purchase a pest control service. It's a really high margin business. He told me that he made $23,000 last summer. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, my friend Emily met this guy on Tinder. He, you know, is from Utah. He's just out here for the summer. I'm sure he's just trying to impress my friend Emily to be able to hang out with him. Who knows, like, how legit this stuff is, right? And so I tell my dad, like, hey, I'm thinking about pushing my job with Edward Jones back after I graduate. I'm going to see if they'll let me take, like, a leave of absence before I start or move my start date back. And then after, during that gap, I'll go and sell pest control. And my dad was like, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. He's like, you've worked so hard to, you know, get to this position. Like, you have an $82,000 a year starting salary at Edward Jones plus commission. Like, you're going to make six figures right out of school. Like, that'll be incredible. It's what you've always worked towards. Like, go and do what you kind of set out to do. And I was like, I think I'm going to do this pest control thing, Dad. And he was like, you know, you're an adult, man. You can do whatever you want. But, like... I don't think that's the right decision. And I still remember the day that I was like saying bye to them to go and drive to to sell. My dad was still like, I think this is a bad idea. He's like, you know, but if you really want to do it, I'll support you. And I was like, cool, I'm going to I'm going to go and give it everything I can. And I remember thinking, you know, worst case scenario for me is I go out there and I do this job where they told me the average person would make around $20,000 and maybe I suck or maybe it's a whole big, you know, sham and it's not what they tell me and I make 5,000. And even 5000 in a three-month period would be fine because then I would go on do my Edward Jones job and I would still be fine in the long run. So my goal was just to maximize it. And I had about $28,000 of student debt, I think, at the time. And so my goal was just to pay off that debt and then go and work at Edward Jones debt-free and kind of go start my life. But that's obviously not what happened in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, so you do your first summer <laughs> and you're working with this guy, TJ. Yeah. And... Shout out to TJ, dude. He's a great trainer. Like, literally taught me how to to really level up my sales game at that time. And I ended up making forty one thousand dollars in like two and a half months. Okay, that's that's huge. Yeah, it was great. At that time, that I had three hundred dollars in my bank account when I showed up to start the summer, and I remember thinking like, if this doesn't go well, I won't be able to live until I can go start my Edward Jones job. So I was thinking like, how else could I make some side money? while I was trying to get that to get going. Luckily for me, I sold the very first person that I ever talked to for pest control. I was just super lucky. 
Um, I'd watched TJ for like two hours and he's just knocking on doors, getting told no, just not running into anybody that was really a buyer. And he's like, you want to try one? I'm like, yeah, let me, let me see what I could do. And so we walk around the corner and this dude's spraying his backyard for pest control as we like walk up on his house. Nice. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, what's, what are you guys doing out here? I tell him and he's like, oh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, yeah, you know, we don't want to take your side job, but let me explain to you what we do. I start telling him kind of how it works and he's like, uh, it's just a super easy yes, right? Like a lay down still. Like, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. Like, I didn't even tell him the pricing yet. And I'm like, okay. So I started signing them up, get them through the whole thing. I turned to TJ and I'm after the end of the sale, I'm like, dude, I think I'm going to be good to go. Like, let me just head to my own neighborhood and I'll just go knock my own houses. Right. And he's like, all right, bro. So I go drive to my area and then the next like three hours, like I didn't sell anybody. I didn't get close. Like I, I was say, just, you, you got shit on. Yeah. I got sure. crushed yeah. the next three hours. And I was like, dang, I should have watched TJ for longer. Right. <laughs> and then at the end of the night around like eight fifteen or so, I ended up getting one more sale. And so I sold two in my first day. And then I remember calling my dad that night on my drive back to the apartments and being like, dad, like once this commission hits, I'll have made like $400 today. And my dad was still like disbelieving. He's like, I'll, I'll believe it when you get paid the rest of the money, you know? And I was like, okay. And so then after that, I just kind of had this chip on my shoulder, but I also had this kind of like my backs against the wall mentality. Cause I only had $300. Like I had to go and be successful at this. And so I just was kind of, I'm also super competitive just as an individual and I wanted to be the best person on the team. And so I kind of just set out to beat TJ and everybody else. What, what, dude, what was it like in, and pest control back then because like i got started in 2019 yeah and i know things have changed a lot with aptive with the industry that we're in in yep. general like what was it like being in door-to-door pest control in 2015 2016 yeah i would say the only real difference that comes to my mind i still think of it kind of as the same right now well, what did you was, what like, apps did you, you guys didn't use we you, used pest routes there so that was back routes. before like the cool technology that we have at aptive was available to me so we use pest routes and sales rabbit so same stuff that's still out there today but it probably wasn't as refined as maybe as it is now but i mean it's really similar i was on a really small team it's like me and 11 other people it was the same thing as it is now, right? Like there's the top guys that really want to work hard, who are the team leaders, who are really getting after it. There's the middle guys, kind of like where I fell into in the beginning as I was still learning and figuring it out and we were motivated. And there was the bottom third of the guys that just goofed off every day and like hardly worked or they were getting fired or getting in trouble or they didn't make it or they only did one summer and they were out of there or whatever. Like What, it's what happened similar. with him and you guys, what <laughs> happened with him not going with, Aptive and you kind of like getting involved yeah. and growing so it's here. kind of crazy at the end of the summer i had told them all along right like i have this finance job at the end once i finish this like i'm gonna go and and do finance full-time like that was still my goal and so they didn't even try to like recruit me or re-sign me at the end of the season they were just like hey damon you know great job this year like we'll send you your commission reports whenever the back ends are going to come out i'm like all right thanks guys like i appreciate it i learned a lot had a great summer right and i was out of there and then i started working at edward jones the day after i got home from from doing that so i was working at edward jones like probably 65 70 hours a week and all my focus was there really and i remember talking to kenny who was my roommate on the drive home i was like dude it was like a moment of silence and i was like kenny would you ever do that again and he was like dude no and he's like would you and i was like absolutely not like i would never do that again <laughs> and i think it was just like that moment where you've done something really hard and like mentally challenging for a lot of days in a row and you're just kind of mentally worn down by 
like how new and hard it was. And we had just given an extreme effort for a lot of time. And so I was like in that mental state where I was kind of just beat down. But then after a few months went by, um, I was contacted by Vess Pearson and the CEO of Aptive. And he was like, hey, like we recognize that you did well at this other company. We'd love to show you what, you know, it would look like for you to work at the largest pest control company in the industry. And that first company was called? Venture Pest Control. Venture. Yeah. And they had like two little offices. I think it was. So not a lot of people know that, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a. That's a that's a Damon Lily little secret sauce right there. I do think that's helped me though because you know how a lot of times whenever you're you're on a great trajectory in a in a potential job or an industry or whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be pest control, but you do really well for like maybe two or three years and then you start to think like, Oh, am I in the best vehicle or am I like on the best route to get where I want to go. And then maybe you like work at Microsoft. So then you start looking at Google or you start looking at Amazon, you're like, I could go work at these other places and maybe do really well. And I I kind of did that first just because I started at Venture. And so when I came to Aptive, I was like mind blown. I was like, dude, like this is way better than what I've been doing. And so I didn't have to have that, you know, am I doing the right thing later on down the road? Because I had already experienced something else that was different and not as good. Um, Nothing against Venture. Like they're great people and awesome company for just as small as it was, but they just don't have the resources that we have now. And so once I realized what we had, I was like, wow, I'm just going to take this and run with it as fast as I freaking can and make it a huge success. But the way I came back is after Vest kind of showed me what was possible, I still wasn't convinced um, that I was going to do it again. I told my dad, I was like, hey, I'm making, I'll probably make $120,000 this year at Edward Jones. If I went back and managed a team, TJ told me that he made like $170,000 that year. And I was like, it's nutty. And then he had you know, eight months of doing whatever he wanted. He was buying real estate. He was traveling. He bought cryptocurrency. Yeah, he at, had Edward like Jones, you're, at Edward Jones, you're making 120, but that's, yeah. you know, you might get what, a week I had three off? Three weeks of vacation. Three weeks, okay. Yeah, and I had to give them like six month notices. So you had to really know when your vacation was. Right. Like, whereas TJ could get a phone call and be like, yeah, man, I'll come to Mexico next week with you. And he could go, right? <laughs> like, I couldn't do that. And so uh, I was always watching TJ's social media and just kind of following his story. And one day I was like, you know, how do I do what you're doing? And he's like, well, you've sold well. You just need to recruit and train and like become a manager in this role. And then that's what's going to you know propel you to be where I'm at. And I was like, all right. So my goal was if I just recruit hard while working at Edward Jones and I get to a position where I'm going to have a good team to go out with, I would just go do pest control again. And if I recruited really hard and just didn't work out and I you know, wasn't a recruiter or I wasn't a leader that I thought I could be, then I was going to stay at Edward Jones and be safe, right? And I told my dad that. And um, I still remember like probably maybe February of 2016, I was preparing to kind of make my decision. And I had like 30 people that were preparing to go out and sell pest control with me. And I remember telling my dad like, you know, I don't know which one I want to do. Like I've, I worked super hard to get into a position to be able to work in finance I really liked my job. I liked the people that I worked with. I was in a cool office. I was helping to oversee like a, you know, a $30 million book of business. And it was a really cool spot to be in when I was 23 years old. And then I remember thinking I was going to have to trade in my stockbroker business card for a pest control route manager <laughs> business card. And that's still, I still think about that today. And I told my dad that he said, that sounds foolish to me. He's like, do you want to manage someone else's money for the rest of your life? Or do you want to manage your own? And I was like, well, the obvious answer is, do you want to manage your own money? He's like, well, then that's the decision. You just go out and do Aptive then. And he's like, that's, that's to me, it's a no-brainer. And 
I was still remember thinking like, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And, and so I sat down with the guy who's the regional manager for Edward Jones and his name's Jamie, still a friend of mine. And I told him I was going to leave. And at that time I was the number one first year hire for Edward Jones, like nationally. And, um, he was like mind blown. He was like, dude, I cannot believe that like our number one guy is going to leave here and go do pest control. He's like, pest control. What, what do you, what can you do in pest control? Like he had no idea. Right. And so he told me at the end, he was still in disbelief. He was like, Damon, if you ever want to come back here, you know, I have a feeling that this might not work out when it doesn't, you're always welcome back at Edward Jones. Like, we'd love to have you back. And I was like, thanks, Jamie. I really appreciate it. And, um, I still see him at landfall country club all the time and he's still super nice to me, but, um, obviously like he still jokes with me. He's like, you ready to come back? And, uh, I'm like, no, I think I'm, I'm going to stick it out here. So that's kind of how I got started in it. So first of all, was it, was it just seeing TJ that was like, this is like really appealing. Like what, what else did you see? Like why, what was like so appealing to you? I'm so curious about like yeah. the lifestyle and like maybe like doing your own thing. Was it just like the travel or, you know, you, you said your dad, you know, mentioned managing other people's money versus your own. Like, yeah. I know you're an ambitious dude. You had to always kind of have that, like do your own thing, kind of drive and like create yeah. your own path, blaze your own trail. I feel some of that in myself. I know it's really strong in you, but like, was it just seeing him and him traveling? Like what made you really like jump that ship? Like, yeah. Ultimately? I've thought about that a lot. My mom says that I used to make like business cards for fun growing up. Like I would be on the computer and she would see me and be like, what are you doing? And I would be like making my own business card, like templates, just <laughs> like I was 12, you know, I couldn't work even. Um, and so I def definitely think I was always kind of like forward thinking, like I wanted to get to that place where I had a freedom or like a, a financial security that I just didn't see growing up. And so when I saw TJ having like the epitome of freedom at 24 years old, right? Like $170,000 at that age is like unlimited money almost. He's traveling and doing whatever he wants. Like I remember he stayed in Hawaii for a month then he went to Mexico for like three weeks and he was just like still buying real estate while doing that. And I was like, dude, TJ is doing things that I thought I would do at 50 years old at 24 years old. And I never thought that I'm a super creative person I still don't I am just someone that can recognize somebody doing something well and I can mimic that and then I can do it for more hours of the day and so I was like I'm just going to take all that I can from TJ I'm going to use the same wheel that he's already found that works I'm just going to roll that wheel way faster like I'll get that thing going for more hours of the day and it'll accelerate what I can do here and so that's kind of where my my idea came from the reason that I wanted to do it, I guess, is I was just always trying to like pull myself and my brothers and my parents out of like the financial stress that uh, I felt like we were under. And so I felt like this would give me a faster way to do it. And Edward Jones, like my brothers couldn't come and work there and, you know, be successful. Like even if I got them an interview, there was a very slim chance they'd ever get a job there. Right. Whereas here, like I could hire them, I could train them, I could oversee them, I could help push them throughout the summer. Um, and they were really bought into that idea too. And so that kind of helped influence me as to like why I wanted to do it again. And it's been really cool. Like my dad has worked here for years. My three little brothers have worked here for years. And it's been like not just a financially life-changing event for us, but like it's made us really close to even closer than we already were growing up because like we've spent the hardest days out in the summer, like where you're like literally on the verge of tears. Cause like, it's just not going how you want. 
and the best days where like you hit your goal at the end of the year and like we're shaking champagne with my dad and like that kind of stuff is just super cool to to think back on some of those moments that we've had just coming through the process of all of it yeah 100 percent. one thing i was gonna ask so 175 you see this guy make 175 and then you're like i want to pull my family up and like hire my little brothers and get your dad to freaking quit his job at Pepsi and come work with you. <laughs> that was one of the scariest days. And like, well, I want to ask about that, but so, so did you see what TJ was doing making 175 and with your ambitious forward thinking brain, were you like, yeah, I can do that. And I can turn that into like 400, 600, 800. Like what made you think that that was possible? Or I did you think that was possible at first? I don't remember ever thinking about that back then. I remember thinking like, okay, if I'm making 120K at, at um, Edward Jones this year, if I had divided that in four, that would be like what, you know, $40,000 that I would for sure have to make during the summer to you, make my time 30, the same. So that goes to show yeah, that you definitely, 30. Didn't, you know, you didn't pursue the <laughs> Yeah, good the, thing I stayed out of finance, right? Career route, yeah, communication yeah. studies major, not finance. <laughs> um, so then, <laughs> so then the, uh, the idea was like, if I, as long as I make 30000 over that period of time, then my time was kind of worth the same thing as it was at Edward Jones. And I was like, I for sure know I can make more than 30000 I already made forty in two months. If I just extrapolate that over four months and I got better, hopefully, then I'd make 80 to 100. So I already knew I could make that on my own sales. And then I'm thinking, you know, if I have all these guys that are around me that want to do it, I'll be more motivated. They're going to push me. I'll be competitive with them. I don't want any of my friends to come out there and beat me. And so then I was like, I'll I'll be in a pretty safe financial place. I never thought like it would turn into what it has back then, I don't think. Once I... That year, I made $221,000 leading a team of, like, 38 people. Year two. Yeah. And I was 24. I was 23 when I started that summer. I turned 24 in August that summer. Your brothers, were they all working for you? Just Ryan was with me that year. Um, and so Ryan and I and, you know, 38 of our closest friends up in Washington, D.C., and we worked super hard all summer, and I made 221000 And I think that's when it kind of clicked for me that like this could be a real career and I could really like accelerate this. And I remember yeah. that was like one of the first times I remember looking and seeing like, okay, there's division managers, there's region managers, there's like VPs, like there's levels I could really grow into if I push my, push my, push myself. And that's when I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to elevate this. And so that's when I, so after really year seriously. two, you make over 200 grand as a 24, yeah, 24 year old. And yeah. you're like, yeah. You're like, yeah, this is yeah, this is about to be big. I remember thinking back, like I had three hundred dollars in my account, and thinking like, when you look at your bank account on your phone or your computer, and you see three hundred bucks, like, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence that yeah. you can really do whatever you want that day, right? Like, I remember thinking like, okay, I can do this, can't do this. Like, I remember having to turn down my friends to go to dinner many, many times because I couldn't afford, you know, twenty four dollars for me to go eat out. And so, like, I would go to dinners with people sometimes and just sit there and not order food and say I wasn't hungry, even though I was, because I legit couldn't afford to, to mm. eat with them, you know? And and so, like, I then have $200,000 in my bank account, and I'm like, holy crap, like, I was in a completely different, you know, realm. And so then I had to start going to upgrade my mentors. Like, I had to start finding people that had done more than me and that were doing more than me so I could learn from them, kind of back to my same thing about reinventing the wheel like i had to find people with different wheels that could show me how to, to use their wheel to do what i wanted to do next and so that's kind of how i got into the real it, estate thing faster yeah yeah i can roll <laughs> a wheel i just got to find a good one 
Um, and that was the year I started, I called my dad. I'm like, dad, you know, I made $200,000 this year. Like, I know you, you've been working at Pepsi for a few years and like, it's going fine. But like, I really think you could come and make more money here. And I'm like, come work with me. Like, I'll do everything I possibly can to help you kind of break out of the, you know, the financial stressful role of working at Pepsi and be able to start creating some savings for yourself. Like, I'll help you get some investments with Edward Jones kind of going for yourself. And we'll really like help you roll this so you can retire faster. And so the day that he quit, was one of the scariest days for me because I was like then thinking, dang, like we really got to make this a success now. <laughs> was that, dad, that was after year two. Yeah. Dad came with me year three. Uh, and I have a video still on my Snapchat history that I see every year. And it's me dropping my dad off and he gets out of the car and starts walking to this first house. And I'm like videoing him through the front of our car. And I sent it to my mom and I was like, let's hope this works. <laughs> <laughs> And I still remember thinking like just that feeling in my chest of like the stress that that comes with, you know, thinking about the pressure of your dad being successful or not. And um, the dynamic of me having to help train him and help him. And and um, it really it worked out really good. He went on to sell really well. And he's he made, I think, 90,000 or 70,000 that first year. Yeah, 70,000 that first year. And then he's made Some a six recruits. figure income pretty much every year after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being being a lily is a is a good thing in pest control. So it's <laughs> so, good to it's good to know somebody like you. Yeah, I appreciate and, that. You know, much much less share blood with you. That helps. <laughs> um, Comes with a lot of added pressure, I think, too, though. True, true. So that's year two. Make great money. Now you got your dad quitting Pepsi, coming to work with you. Your other brothers join. After yeah, year so they two. were. I think Braden was like seventeen that year so okay. he started knocking when he was 17 which was my third year austin and Braden, i think started at the same time um and then we kind of got going after that where did you curious where did you go your first couple of years so it was charlotte for venture okay and then dc and then your rookie year at adaptive dc mm-hmm. and then pittsburgh and then pittsburgh again but i also had a team in kansas so i went out there and visited them with Who wyatt in kansas? And daniel and kyle that was, and was that all Ferris's those guys. first year Daniel's first year was my second year. I still oh, okay. remember he was this long-haired kid with a broken arm when he came to the meeting. And I was like, let's see how this guy does. You know, a huge smile. And I was like, he was just full of energy. But he came to every single training with a notepad and took, like, meticulous notes. And that's obviously what helped him go and be super successful. But, yeah, that was his first year. And then after that, it was Jersey. And then I loved Jersey. So we went back to Jersey again. And that was kind of the last what, year that year I – was this? Jersey was probably my sixth year. I had a, an apartment in Jersey, but I was still traveling and visiting the rest of the teams that summer. And I was then, gonna say because that was, yeah, Jersey. Well, you were your here the sixth year. My first year in Jersey, I think, it was your first year. Okay, okay, so twenty nineteen. Yeah, and then after that, then I've just been you know home base Wilmington and then going and visiting all the teams throughout the summer. Yeah, yeah, you've gotten lazy. <laughs> <laughs> everyone uh, says that until they go and do the travel <laughs> you'll see what this year for sure when you go and do all the travels some more more than you already have it's definitely a grind no i'm, I'm messing with you i know it's a lot traveling yeah. takes it out of you bro yeah much less like you know landing in a different city getting in a rental car putting on a knocking polo and going and talking to some random homeowners and yep. you have no idea what they're like in this new state and you yep. forgot and you haven't pitched in a week yeah, a and week yeah, it's rusty, and you got that pressure. You got and there's like a pressure of like four dudes standing behind you. Behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is fun. Yeah, that'll be 
that'll be this year for me. That'll yep. be interesting. But um, yeah. So you, you know, this is what I think is crazy, is from year. I mean, from year two starting to be a big financial year for you through current day, you've grown your income a lot. And I know like what I think is really interesting in this industry is I think it's really apparent who works in the off season. And I had a dream about this last night. It was really weird. I literally had a dream that I was like with you and all of our other like kind of leaders in like the East coast region here. And I was like, I like woke up in my bed and everyone was in my room and I was like telling them, I was like, guys, like the work you put in the off season, it won't show up <laughs> next year. It'll show up two years from now. And that's like when you'll be able to tell, like, did you put in that work like a year and a half ago during the off season? It's funny you're teaching that lesson in your bedroom. So really, yeah, really weird. I just like woke up <laughs> sleepy eyed and like I remember seeing like Daniel Ferris and like other guys. <laughs> I was like telling them that. Um, but yeah, that shows how weird my brain is. But um, but I think that's super apparent, right? Like, like if there's one thing about you, I always make the joke about you. Like people are like, what does Damon do? Like, why was he able to like be so successful? I was like, Damon's been on his phone for nine years, mm-hmm. and like that sounds like a joke almost. That's not a joke. No, like that's there's like that's like a heavy statement, right? Like, yeah, you've been on your phone for nine years. Yeah, up until last year, for multiple years in a row, I was averaging like seven hundred text messages per day. Like, <laughs> I would get up. And I have a, these lists and spreadsheets and everything, and I would go and text, you know, 50 people before 7 a.m., and I knew they were all going to respond at various times of the day, right? And then I have to carry those conversations throughout the entire day or week to be able to get to the outcome that I wanted to set up a meeting with them or to train with them or whatever it was. And so, yeah, I think that kind of like what I said about just rolling the wheel really fast, like I was willing to, you know, part of rolling that wheel of recruiting is being able to text a ton of people and keep up with them and make sure that, like one thing that I always do is I always end my my text in a in a question for the most part, so that way that person is you know obligated to respond to answer my question, right? And so that way they have to keep texting me back. They can't just you know end on a statement and they're like, oh maybe I don't have to answer that because there's nothing to answer. Like I'm always asking them something at the end to keep the conversation going, so then I'm always getting text back. But that was the way to to get to the meeting that I needed to set up or whatever. Yeah, and there's there's like there's like some sort of like value and capital and just communication like we know this in our industry and i say this because like i'm kind of the same way with my group that you are with your region not not to the same level though and that's what i always tell people like like dude damon's damon because damon's put in damon work like you've put in your work like you've contacted people and texted people and been in constant communication with your squad and been really like in tune with your squad for a long time and that's a that's a it's a crazy sacrifice of time like it really is um and i know that i know that because i've done it on a smaller scale like for example i was doing like 450 text messages a day it's a ton last off season right and i can't even imagine 700 right because 450 was a lot mm-hmm. like i was literally always texting people on my computer or on my phone in meetings getting yeah. really good at looking at a zoom camera while sending texts yeah. and not paying attention sometimes. Yeah. I was driving last night. I shouldn't do this, but I was driving Braden and I to go to mom and dad's house for family dinner. 
and I was texting like this book while I'm driving. I'm looking above. I have my phone down here. I'm holding the wheel like kind of like this, and I'm just ripping this whole book. And Brain's like, "Dude, you're the only guy I know that could drive us at 70 miles an hour. Be texting a full book, and." still hearing like what I'm telling you and then also like I don't feel scared of you driving right now because you're just so comfortable texting all the time and I'm like it's a yeah skill yeah <laughs> definitely lots of practice for me doing it for sure like I've I can text without looking at it right I mean you know texting and driving it's stupid yeah it's a bad idea it's stupid yeah. but at the same time what I've always said and this is like a hot take but yeah. like you're like a grandma <laughs> and you don't even know how to use your damn phone <laughs> Then it's I don't want you there. texting and driving. Yeah, I don't even want you driving. I can still look at the road while I'm doing it, but that still doesn't right. make it like I should do it. It's not that you should. No, but it's almost like sticking out like a like a 14 year old skinny boy on an NFL field and saying going playing football. I wouldn't want that because that guy would die. Yeah, but if you were like an athlete and you trained for it, then I would feel more comfortable. <laughs> you say you're conditioned to text and drive. You are you. If anybody is, you are. Yeah, um, and you shouldn't do it. No. But I need to stop. You probably like if, if anybody's gonna do it. I'm like I'm like putting you on my texting and driving roster. Yeah, if anybody's gonna do on that. your fantasy texting and driving team. Yeah, just get a Tesla. You're, you, I mean, we had one. Your we wife sold used it. to have one. Yeah. The self drive would be. We good. hardly ever used it though. You would think that you would use it a lot more, but I never used it. If you're it. sitting there texting and driving going 70, it's probably a good <laughs> idea. That's true. It's not as it's not as fancy as your car though. Your current <laughs> car. I do love my current cars. Yeah. Are, are you are you gonna keep that car? How long are you gonna keep that car? So. The Urus, I don't have any plans of getting rid of. I love that thing, and it's kind of cool that Post Malone owned it first. Right. And so I think that's kind of a cool touch. I don't really think I'll... There's no other SUV that I would rather have more than that. And even, Yeah, so by the way, back up. If you don't know, Damon has a... Lamborghini Urus. A Lamborghini Urus that is like his, his side hoe um, that his wife drives. Yep, Megan drives and that every day. it used to be Post Malone's, and then Stradman's. Yep, and then I got it from Stradman white wrapped it black and yellow it's yeah. incredibly sexy it looks like a reverse pikachu or like a bad a bad <laughs> guy pikachu way. car um and then your your main piece yeah the electric blue yeah so then the mclaren 720s that i don't know how long i'll keep that so i've had it for four years now and i have a lamborghini revelto on order i don't know if i'm saying that right i think i am but doesn't it, matter if you can say it, if you can afford it. Yeah, so that comes in, they tell me March or April, but it probably will be way later than that. So what's that one looking like? It's the Aventador replacement. So it's has some electric components to it as well, but it's also gas, so like a hybrid Lamborghini. And it's supposed to be incredible. There's some some of them on Instagram that you can look at, but they're sweet. Revelto? Yeah. Sounds refined when you say it. Yeah. Reverto. Yeah, just like that. Okay. <laughs> That's insane. When did you order that? I ordered it back in probably like February. You haven't it was posted like, anything about that, have you? I posted like some hype videos that they put out, that Lamborghini put out, but I haven't like openly said like, hey, I ordered one of these. But Why? Because something could go wrong? No, nah, I just think, just, I don't know, just, just let, it, let it, it show up and then it'll be cooler. Keep it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, so I think when that comes, I'll probably trade the McLaren just because I don't think I would drive the McLaren much once I have that. Seems like a replacement. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I don't think you'd need both. No. That thing's going to look good in that garage. Yeah, would be sweet. Is it, what color? I got like a bright orange. Bright orange. Yeah. Wow. Something different. Yeah. You're trying not to be seen. <laughs> yeah, subtle. Right. 
Went from electric blue to bright orange. And the first color I saw it in on Instagram, too, was in, like, a bright orange color. So I think that kind of just stuck in my head. And then I was like, that car is sick. You know what the 0 to 60 is? I don't. I should is look it, it up. Is it faster than McLaren? Mm, yeah, it's, it's definitely faster than McLaren. With the, with the electric, it's yeah, got to be. it is. Cool. Yeah, I'll drive it whenever you want me to. Yeah, for sure. You can take me around town sometime. Yeah. If you ever get bored, I'll definitely drive it. Yeah. Um, we could set that up. And then your other, you have a high country? Yeah, well, it's a GMC Sierra um, truck. and then, so I know nothing about trucks. Yeah, I love that truck. So it just so. says high country on the back, right? I don't think so. That was my old one. Sweet, yeah. Yeah, Perfect. so that one was a, a Chevy high country. <laughs> you nailed that one. That was yeah. also like three years ago, though. Um, Good memory. Yep, for yeah. sure. <laughs> they look similar. Like They're both GMC, black. Sierra 1500. Sierra 15, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, that's like... Yeah. Whenever we're going hunting or anything, or going to Charlotte and taking the dogs, that kind of stuff, and then I have a Cadillac Escalade, oh, Chrome in, Delete, out in Utah as in well. Utah. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say I haven't seen you drive that one. No, um, it's only in Utah. I've only driven it once. You drive that truck a lot. Yeah, I pretty much drive the McLaren every day, and then if it's rainy, I'll probably drive the truck. See, we are the same, except I'm on like a, I'm like like an off-brand you with my cars. Yeah, I got the C8. Drive it every day. Yep. People are like, you don't drive that much, do you? It's too nice. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like have a car and not drive it. Dude. So when I had my first supercar, I was super prepared. Like, I would never get it out. I would check the weather before I'd go. Like, is it going to rain today? Like, I don't want to be driving it if it's going to rain. And then after a while, I was thinking, like, I'm not going to keep this thing as a collector's item for forever. Like, if it gets wet, who cares? Like, let's just, I'm going to use it. Like, I'm spending all, all this right. money every month. Like, I'm going to maximize my usage. And so like, it's gonna depreciate. Yeah, I no drive matter, the McLaren in the no rain even sometimes. What. Don't care. Yeah, like I was gone for a week. We came home. It was raining this past weekend. I was like, I'm still driving it. Yeah, I can't imagine because I still love driving. I've had the C8 for two years. Yeah, I love it. Every time you get in there, it's fun. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. And yours is like, I'm I'm like that's like little little cousin. Little nah, bro. yours is still sick. It's still like little bro. Like the. It's a, it's a tier below the McLaren, but it's, it's still still a pretty sweet car. There might be a couple of tiers. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely a tier. Yeah, below, at least at one. least. I, I I'm thinking about like, I just saw Sebastian Narvaez. Yeah, which got me. the 600 LT. Yeah, that's a sexy car, yeah, and I love it. It's like he got it like white ish. Yeah, right? has like some gray mm-hmm. accents on the side. I just saw that car and I was like, damn, bro, that's sick, dude crushes it over the summer disappears for two months goes to thailand comes back buys a mclaren yeah lives out in san diego yeah he's living a cool life too he's living a cool life. he's a hustler he's a hustler. i love that dude yeah. I, I i met him i kind of met him a while back but i spent a lot of time with him on the the one million retreat this year yep chiller yep really cool dude crushed it this year too yeah went to madison wisconsin i want to send some reps there yeah it's a cool place market. yeah a lot of people buying buying some cool stuff um, I was I was curious though, cause now, now what it seems like to me, and I was I, w- I wanted to ask you this, what it seems like to me is now this is year going into year ten, mm-hmm. year ten, year ten. Yep. Wow. Old no. Man. Yeah, year ten, cause fifteen was my first summer selling, so this will be ten summers. Ten summers. Yeah. Cause when you do the math, you always have to like n minus one. Yeah. For the summer, okay. Summer ten. Um. Now, now you're a you're a partner, yep. Adaptive, and you're uh, the pay changes a little bit. More responsibilities. More responsibilities. Yeah. What's that? What's that been like? Getting used to it. It's been cool. I feel like I was one of the people that always wanted to have more control or just more 
oversight of things. So like now we're able to manage like initial service pros, which is cool. Um, it just gives you more autonomy over being able to hire people and make sure that you have same days every day. You can manage all the routes. Um, I like all of that. We have, we've been really blessed in our, our partnership to have like good region assistants. So we have Anna and Hannah who have been next level for us so far. And before we had like no help. So I was doing all of the admin stuff and, um, that, that's been a really cool shift and being able to work with them has been really good for us and, and for all of the leaders in our region. And then the other side of it is just, I guess there's more financial responsibility when it comes to housing. And that's not just for me, but for every manager adaptive. And then also just being able to share in the responsibility with corporate on like the costs of hiring a service or sales pro, <clears throat> excuse me, a sales professional, and then having them go through all the onboarding and then go out and actually sell. And so it's definitely been a lot more responsibility. And this year is a huge learning curve for us, but I think next year we'll have a really good um, explosive year from all of the, the changes that were made. And then just seeing those, kind of like you said, the the work you do in year one, maybe doesn't hit in year, you know, year one calendar year, but year two is when you really see the fruits of that labor. And I think that's what's going to happen for us this year. I think so too. Yeah. Alpha. Yeah. We're coming for blood this year. Yeah. We're coming for blood. Yeah. Make alpha great again. Yeah. It's the year. Naga. Yeah. Um, it <laughs> <laughs> still cracks me up. It does. It does. I feel like with, um, the last, well, really just the last year. And this isn't to say like, you're, you're not working and you, you're still the hardest worker I know. Um, I feel like you've been able to, to travel a little more do a little bit more things. And I know it's stressful for guys like yourself because I know you want to work yep. and I know you want to just like grind, but it, it's almost been like cool for me to see like, hey, you're not sending 800 text messages a day, even though it's probably still like four or five, I yeah. don't know, but like you're able to travel a little bit, like see Megan's family, like go to weddings. Seems like all yeah. of your friends are getting married at the same so time. So many weddings. I think we went to eight weddings this year. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a lot. So... But like, yeah, it, it, do you feel like, because I mean, my whole shtick for why I'm doing this is I wanted to get into Aptive. I wanted to get into this crazy high growth, high potential industry, push the buttons, rocket fuel for X number of years so that after X number of years, I can be involved and have the squad and have the culture and be able to almost like take a step back and and not have it dominate my life but have it be a part of my life yeah. and then pursue the other things that I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um that's like what what my whole goal for being involved is. Um the it, but you know, but then there's like hey, maybe one day Omega could be a partnership. Maybe there's like there's that going on too. So plans always change. I guess I'm curious what's your mindset been around work this year? Like what, like, has it changed at all? Like how, yeah. how, does, how do you feel about work? So I think for my process in the beginning, like the first six years, really maybe seven years, I was willing to sacrifice like anything and everything to maximize active. Right. Like I remember running meetings at eight 30 at night in the office and I'd been there since seven 30 in the morning. And I still had like, you know, my eight 30 meeting to still do. And I knew it was going to take 45 minutes and I'd have to answer text messages, go home and like do it all again the next day. Right. And I, I we tracked hours one year. Vess wanted to like inspire regionals to like work more. And I remember we had this like hours tracker thing and I would log my hours in this Google sheet every day. And I would, I was averaging like 75, 82 hours, like 88 hours in a week. 
And then a lot of their, you know, regionals were, you know, 40, 36, like 52 on some of them. And I was beating people by like double in some cases in the amount of hours work. And I was willing to do that that back then because I, I was extremely financially motivated. Like there were so many things that I wanted to, you know, do to be able to earn what I wanted to earn, to be able to get to the position that I wouldn't have to do those things if I didn't want to. Kind of like what you said, like we're like, it's more of a choice, but I think along the way, after I kind of started checking the financial box for myself, like I had investments, I had real estate, I had a great income from Aptiv, then I kind of had to, I had to find my fire again, really. There was a, a period of like six months where I wrote on my mirror that said like, find your fire because I just didn't have the same like drive when I would wake up. I used to wake up and be like, I cannot wait to get to that first meeting. Like I would text in everybody like before, you know, my eyes would open and I'd be on my phone like immediately. Right. Like I was ready to rock and roll. I couldn't wait to get after it that day. And there was a little, like a little lull for me after I kind of checked some of the financial boxes when that I had. That, would you say? Probably after my like fifth year, I'd made, you know, a million dollars in a year twice. I think that was the second year, maybe the sixth year I made it twice. And then I kind of felt like, you know, like I was in a great position financially, but not only that, you know, like I could take care of my family. Like no matter what catastrophe happened, if my parents had something bad happen, like I was in a position where I could help them out. I could help my brother out. Like I could make sure that things for our whole like collective, you know, were going smooth. Like I was making large charity contributions. Like I was still being able to go on cool mission trips. Like I was doing a lot of things that were really important to me. And I had this like real sense of security for like the first time financially, like ever. And I think that kind of took away like that back against the wall feeling a little bit for me. Yeah, and being like kind of like broke and yeah. living and in... yeah, $300 versus like a multi million plus, like, you know, I was probably bringing in, I don't know, back then maybe $30,000 a month in, you know, real estate income before paying debts. But still, I was, I had a bunch of money coming in from real estate and I was trying to figure out like, how do I get back to the like aggressive Damon that was like super hungry before? And so after writing on my mirror for six months, like find your fire, I, I decided that my new fire was going to be like, I want to go and create more Damons. Like there's people that want to get to where I'm at right now. And there was people that were ahead of me when I wanted to get there that helped me or that gave me advice or that like went to lunch with me or like did things with me that helped me to, you know, realize what I wanted to do and go actually do it. And so my goal was to like, okay, I'm going to see how many people can I help, you know, that way. And so then it was like, all right, cool. I'm going to get really involved with all the team leaders. I'm going to get really involved with all the experienced reps and really help people go from like, okay, I have, you know, I've done this adaptive. Okay, cool. How can you do this? How can you do this? Like, why haven't you thought that you're good enough to be like a regional manager? Like, why haven't you thought that you're good enough to be like a division manager? Like go and, and do the steps to get there and you'll kind of, you know, fumble through it maybe, but you'll get there and you'll be glad that you tried. Whereas if you don't, then you'll never know if you're capable or not. And so the goal now is to like, I don't think I'll ever really stop doing this, but when I look back on my life, I want to think like, dude, there's so many people that I was able to help, whether it was just in recruiting them to help give them this opportunity or help mentor them in real estate or help do the, you know, something with their first car purchase or whatever it is. I want to just have this huge number of people that I've been able to help, you know, through this avenue of Aptiv to go and be successful in whatever it is they want to do. So that's the fire now. Nice. Yeah. yeah I can hear it. It's good. It gets me excited. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I think that's that's got to be like 
that's got to be the drive or else this doing this like working and pest control and knocking doors and stuff like can get like kind of wear on you yeah right and so I feel like it has to be for others. Yeah. I always say I point. don't do this because I love killing bugs, right? Like I do it because right. it checked the financial box for me. And then I, now I'm doing it because I want to help other people do that for themselves. You got into real estate pretty quick. Sort of. So I tried to get into it quick. After my second summer, excuse me, when I had made 200000 The I remember coming back and there was an alumni of the fraternity that I was in at UNCW. And... I remember messaging him and being like, hey, I knew that, you know, you had, he was probably 10 years ahead of me in school or something, that you had some real estate. I'd love to, you know, start buying my own real estate. Could you like just help me? Like, can I take you to lunch kind of thing? And will you tell me how you did it? And he was actually a mortgage lender in town, still is. And I was like, you know, Adam, what do I got to do to get my first property, all this stuff? And he starts kind of walking me through his portfolio and how he got going. And so that year... I tried to get approved to buy a property, but because of the way I was doing my taxes, I was writing off, you know, a bunch of my expenses to run my business and I didn't show luckily any income to be able to go and buy a property. I needed two years of like good income tax returns. And so I learned that lesson. And then after that, the next year I went to Adam, I made like 450,000 my third summer. And I was like, okay, cool. Adam, what do I have to show in my taxes in order to be able to, you know, go and invest. And I, I didn't even take all my write-offs because I wanted to show a big income so that I could start investing. So that was the year I bought my first like Carlton place. And that's like the townhome that I got. And then I lived there in the master bedroom and I rented the other three rooms to three of my buddies that all worked at Aptiv with me. And uh, I lived in Carlton place actually for nine years, which I think I didn't really, you know, think of it a whole lot at the time, but I remember kind of setting that up to where like, I'm just going to live here until I can afford to live in like my dream house. And all I'm going to do is put all my extra capital into real estate and other investments. So that way when my passive income will pay for my mortgage at where I want to live, then that's when I'll be able to go and do that. And so it took like nine years for me to get to that point, but my expenses there were like basically nothing. Right. And so I was able to just funnel all my money into other investments that allowed me to kind of get to where I wanted to go. That's huge. Good sacrifice though, along the way, like I was driving the Lamborghini Gallardo, which was a $140,000 car. And I would pull it into the, you know, $238,000 townhouse that I lived in. (laughs) And I'm sure my neighbors probably thought that was kind of funny, but the car was a great recruiting tool for me. And it accelerated my growth in business because it was like any gas station I went to, any college kid that was getting gas next to me was like, dude, what do you do for work, right? And that was an instant person that then I was able to get into the office and it snowballed my my growth for sure. Yeah, that was a big move. My uh, my state farm guy, when I set up the insurance for it, he called my dad because they were family friends and he was like, hey, you know, Bill, you know, Damon's getting a Lamborghini, right? And he was like, yeah, he's like, I really don't think it's a smart financial move. Like, have you tried to talk him out of it? And my dad called me and he was like, are you sure you want to do it? And I was like, I did the math, you know, if my payment's $2,800 a month and I recruit, you know, X number of people and they go and produce this and that'll snowball, like it'll be worth it. And I'm like, it'll be a short-term, you know, upfront financial sacrifice maybe, but it'll be a, a long-term, you know, thing. And I think it really did help me to attract a lot of really good people. 100%. 100%. It's obvious that it worked. Yeah. I mean, at least it did something. Something, yeah. At least it did something. I also have a really cool sign, which people make fun of, but. 
I put this little sign in the front of all my cars and it says that like Aptiv I'm hiring in my Instagram and phone number. And um, I get probably 15 people a year from just those signs. Yeah, that's absolutely. 15 people in our industry is gigantic. Yeah, it's like a whole team for most people. It's a whole team. Yeah. One thing I was, so real quick, one thing I wanted to ask you is you're, you go through that lull in year five or six, whatever, after five or six. One thing that I've always admired about you is I know there are times when you don't want to put up with people's shit. I know that you get a lot of shit because yeah. I get a lot of shit. And yeah. if I get a lot of shit, then you get a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You've gotten it in the past. So like, especially during that time, say, when you're like, damn, like, I don't even know like what's pushing me anymore. Or even on a good day, it can be kind of frustrating dealing with people. I'm sure I've been a pain in the ass before too. But like, one thing I've always admired about you is it always seems like you come at you come at it with a really good attitude. So like, even if you're, and you know, I could tell in the past, like in group messages with you, I've seen you get like kind of annoyed, but when you're annoyed, you don't really show it. Like, yeah, you might say something kind of like, I right. try to make it funny, but a little like, <laughs> like, here's what you should have done. <laughs> right. Right. Or if they're like implying something against you, you're like, look, look, come on, like, let's, let's get real here. Yeah. Um, so I've, but I've always admired that about you. Like you're able to stay, stay calm, stay like, like look, like, we'll figure it out, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, where do you think that comes from? And, like, what? how how have you – do you have any, like, like tools that you've used in the past to, like, like calm down and view things a little bit more logically? Because I think that's something that a great leader does that, like, separates a great leader from somebody that, that's not. Yeah, so I had two thoughts, I guess, on that while you were saying that. And the, the first one is I think I just – I never get worked up and I honestly don't know why or where that comes from. I just, when I get a problem or I get something that is an issue, I just think of it as like, a, you know, I just, I'm really solutions based or solutions oriented, I guess. Like, I don't even really focus on the issue that much. I'm just like, okay, what can we do to get onto this next part so I can keep moving this train forward? And it probably comes from my mom a lot growing up. Like, I never really saw her get worked up. And then I also, she would just tell me like, it's okay to make a mistake as long as you learn from that. And it drives the whole thing forward. So like I used to, you know, my mom had a party light business growing up and I would sit in her office and listen to her do tons of sales calls all day. And I would be doing her like paperwork stuff. And I was probably, you know, eight or nine or whatever. And I would just be like, you know, slapping stamps on stuff. And she would just be like, Hey, it doesn't matter if every stamp is perfectly straight as an example, as long as you just put them on there faster. Like, we got to get to the end faster. So I would just, you know, I wouldn't let the stamp be perfect. I would just be slapping stamps on there just to get to the next label, and I'd have a ton of them that I have to do. And I remember thinking just kind of that little stuff probably shaped me into where, like, I'd, I was just always really solutions-oriented and trying to get to the end goal as fast as I could. And then the other thing is, is I, I don't know where I heard this, but I've heard that, you know, if you're going to lead people, and especially at the scale that we do it at, you're going to have plenty of them that you necessarily don't always get along with or you don't always like love them. But if you just take the easy way and you cut people out or you are mean or rude to them or you're not patient with them, like that's not actual leadership. That's like, you know, you taking the easy way out. That's not leading them. And the real leader or the real good leader is someone that can, you know, control themselves enough to find a common ground with that person and be able to get the outcome out of them 
that you know you need for your business or that they need to hit their goal and i remember thinking like do i want to be the guy that just is like oh robbie's upsetting me today i'm just not going to text him back for a couple days or do i want to be the guy that's like robbie hey here's you know where i think that you know we could we could work on this together here's what i think that you're doing that is you know maybe a little bit upsetting to me but i want you to know like as your friend like let's go work through this and let's like not let this be a thing for us in the future and really continue to move forward on those things and i think that like that's the leader that i would want and so that's kind of how i've tried to be i don't think i'm perfect by any means but that's the idea what's the what's the balance cuz 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 here's one thing about like alpha and east coast that i think you know we've grown faster on the East coast. And, you know, just to put in perspective, again, if you've never been around like the pest control industry, um, or door to door, you know, Damon is a partner, a singular partner. Usually the other partnerships typically have more people. Yeah. Two to four or five or two or four. This guy is the, the partner. So like the single kind of like owner or run, like, you know, I guess really owner of the business, that is called Alpha, that is a basically a region of pest control salespeople that produces a ton of revenue every summer. That's when we go out and put in the work for the most part, you know, in between like March and September. Yep. Um, so like you're, you know, and, 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 and Alpha will do what this year? What is our, sorry? I would bet money that we at least do 35 million. 35 million. We'll probably do 40, but. I'd say 35 So is there's a safe. ton of businesses that never even touch that in annualized revenue, yeah. right? So like, you know, it's a big, it's a big group. There's like kind of like a, a lot at stake, right? But now, you know, it's a business and like revenue per rep and being efficient matters too. So I guess once we've gotten to this level, and again, just kind of summarizing, that was like your your business. And I think it's really impressive and people should know like that's a it's a big thing that you're doing. So like tons of respect because you're the only guy at the top. Um, you know, maybe that'll change in the next couple of years. Hope you can get some health, right? But, there you go. Um, but what's the trade-off between keeping everybody around and only keeping the good people so that you're, you know, you don't have the weak links. So, yeah, I think in the beginning I, I was desperate to grow. Right. So like I had no money. I had to be able to build this. I had quit a really good job to be able to do this. I had my family on the line kind of thing. Like I was willing to work with anybody back then to be able to to, to grow. And I didn't have the same leadership mentality where I was going to really help them along the way. Sometimes I was just willing to put up with their crap just to get them to, you know, continue to keep selling. And so along the way, it's definitely been refined where we, you know, kind of went through the, the paradigm stage and we were able to kind of fix the, you know, that connotation around our group that was maybe we just took anybody and we've kind of, you know, refined it to where we're a little bit more selective and we're, you know, it's a much higher class of individuals. Now, I also think that that's come from us just getting older, like, right, I was 23 when I started doing it. And all the people that I was recruiting were either that age or younger in a lot of cases. My brother was 17, right? And so like, to expect super professionalism from 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds when 22 year olds are leading them is a tough dynamic, I think. Um, but I think as we've grown, we've learned a lot. And now it's it's a much more refined, you know, group of people and just the the leadership capital that we have is tremendous. Like I was talking to one of the presidents this week and he was just telling me how impressed he's been with our group. And I was like, Yeah, we have, you know, tremendously grown up over the last, you know, five, seven years. And it's been really cool to see, like, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, just like the time that we've known each other and the 
you know, the transformation that it goes from you thinking that, you know, you're going to, you know, work in a restaurant that year to going and selling pass control to thinking now oh, you might not do this again to thinking like, okay, I'm gonna make this a career, right? Like that, that takes time and being able to really put time and energy into becoming a good leader and being someone that people want to follow and being patient with people that, you know, aren't perfect to lead right off the bat and all that stuff. I think just, it takes time and energy to, to get there. And we've just been doing that for a long time now. And so you're really starting to see the results of it, but I think that the group we have is tremendously special. I, th I think about this every day, but I'm just like immensely grateful and blessed to be able to like work with people that we work with and be in an entrepreneurial type of environment surrounded by people that I like genuinely care about and like, and like, where else do you really get to do that? You know, there's, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of it out there. And that's like, when I'm talking to 18, 19 year olds and they're, sophomore, junior, senior year of college and trying to express that, right? I, I like, that's like the biggest thing that I talk about now. I'm like, look, I don't really know you that well. I'm trying to express this on like an informational interview, right? right? But like, you got to think who you spend your time with is, and it sounds cliche, it sounds so obvious, but I don't think a lot of people actually practice mm. um, this you know, principle of like spending time with the people that are going to make them better. Yep. If you are in an office, even if you make a hundred thousand dollars and it's guaranteed and you have benefits, which is, you know, you calculate, by the way, calculate the cost of benefits and then stop calling them benefits. Yeah. If your company gives you what, 10 K and you have benefits, you yeah. can buy benefits yourself, it's by the different way. Different compensation. Right. You, they just give you $10,000, right? right? You can buy your own health insurance, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it can be more individualized for what you actually want. Right. So benefits, they're cool just a little more money though it's not yeah. really anything that crazy if you make sixty thousand dollars and you get benefits you're making 70k right right so and that's just a guess i don't actually know but it's probably somewhere around there yeah um but yeah i mean i, I try to tell people like look like you're you're spending time with people if you have a career if you have a job you're spending time with people like you you do become the people that you spend your time with like and i think everybody would agree with that statement but people don't like you said put it into practice like right. I can think of a couple instances where I was able to like seek out people that were doing what I wanted to do and I did something to put me in their circle and then I intentionally like followed up and stayed in their circle so that I could benefit from being around them, you know? It works. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get elevated by the people that you hang out with. Like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's a common one. Yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side, if you hang with the dog, you get the fleas, right? Right. So, or the dogs, whatever. Um, but it's true. It's true. And if you're going to, if you're coming, if you're in school right now or you're out of school or you never went to school, whatever, you're in a career that, you know, you might make 40, 50, 60 K or, or even you make a hundred thousand and there's like some X percent growth potential per year. It's like, that's awesome. But like when you're working, do you feel anything do you feel alive do you like the people that you work with are you working with a bunch of 50 year olds are you sitting at a desk all day in a stale dank office and not doing anything like yeah. and that's just like i think if you ask anybody logically would you trade would you even trade thirty thousand dollars a year if you were up making 100k to be surrounded by people that you like liked being around and, yeah. and you could travel more and have freedom of time again you said most people i think would say yeah probably but then like Who's willing to actually do that? Yeah. You know, At a like, certain point, too, like the income doesn't matter. It's like you're doing the same thing in your life 
you know, once you're over maybe $80,000 a year of income. And then at that point, like, are you actually inspired by the people that you work with or do you enjoy where you're at or like that kind of stuff starts to matter a lot more. People just get comfortable. Dude. Yeah. People are just comfortable. That's our biggest problem. So I got to find just... your fire every couple of years when you start feeling complacent you got to write on your mirror, like find my fire. Some, some, some motherfuckers never, never find a fire. No, they're never, they're probably never will. Yeah. But also dad told me this too one time, but he was like, Hey, if everybody had the same drive, discipline, determination that you do to be able to get to where you are going to go, he's like, then you wouldn't be special either. Like you would just be one of the, the rest of everybody else. Cause I was frustrated that a lot of the guys that, you know, I had recruited that first year just didn't, they didn't care as much as I cared. Like I cared more for them than they cared for themselves, you know? And so like, I was voicing that to dad and he was like, Hey, you know, the reason that you've been able to do a lot of the things you've done is because of that. It's like feed that, but you can't expect that from like everybody. That's kind of what makes people special. It's true. Um, now we got to wrap up here soon, but, um, had a couple more things, a couple more questions real quick. So first of all, you're, um, multimillionaire got a lot of real estate you know you've done all this through making money selling pest control and helping other people do the same and helping other people become better leaders and lead teams and stuff like that so you've done a lot but like and like no offense you're my boy but like like we're nothing special like you're not like like some physical specimen you're not like like you said the most creative person in the world so just to like harp on that again like what what's you know your superpower like what do you what do you do on a day-to-day basis do you do anything special on a day-to-day basis like what like when you're working and grinding hard like what is what does a day look like like what's the secret sauce is there a secret sauce to it yeah i guess when i like to put it in your words my superpower is that i am willing to make the sacrifice that a lot of people i don't think are from a time perspective like time if you see my planner especially a few years ago even still now but back when I was working those 80 hour weeks or more, like I was, I wasn't just working 80 hours. Like I was extremely precise in the way that I spent every minute of time throughout the entire day for 80 hours. Like if people wanted to meet with me on Sundays, like I would take the meetings. If people want to meet with me on Saturday night and you know, I had other plans, I would cancel my plans. Like I was willing to do whatever it took to grow at that time. And how many, how many years would you say you worked at that level? Probably five for sure. And then a little less than that, maybe six and seven. And then the past year and a half has been a little bit more like freedom of not having to do that partially because of the financial things, but partially because people like yourself and my brothers and other people have like Wyatt and those other guys have grown into those roles. This is what I think is funny. It's like people, People can say whatever the hell they want, right? People can say, you know, oh, you know, Damon, you know, had a downline in the beginning and people grew under him and, you know, he had a lot of good leaders come out of it and all this stuff. Like, whatever you want to say, like, luck this, luck that. Like, first of all, luck is, you know, what what you make it. Preparation meets opportunity, right? That's really what luck is, right? But, like, nobody who says that about you. Or, you know, any haters, right? Any haters that say that about anybody that's successful, right? Like, nobody's actually doing what you did. Yep. I've never done that. I think I'm a really hard worker. Five years of that, I never even come close, bro. And that's like, so it's just like, first of all, mad respect for that. But second of all, like, I just think it's 
good for people to hear that. Like you got this dude sitting right here. First of all, super humble guy. You would never know any of this, but like financially set the rest of your life, your family, you could be set the rest of your life. You know, this guy's talking about wanting boats and planes and shit, you know, so he's not satisfied ever, but, um, that doesn't just happen. That doesn't just happen. That's like five years of 80 or 90 hours in the off season, not to mention the, the sale that, you know, the selling in the beginning and then the traveling, you know, for the probably second half of that stretch more. And then, you know, the traveling ever since right. and this dude sitting here, you could quit right now and you could not do shit. You'd probably buy a little Island if you really wanted to and stay there the rest of your life. Little one. Very oh, small. Like, no airstrip like, there. Little, little get guy. there by boat only yeah. swim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you still travel to our teams over the summer. You're still out there knocking doors with five little 18 year olds behind you. And so like, I don't know, people can say what they want, but I think that's, that's good to know. And it's good to remind other people in this industry, or if you're just like a hustler in general, that like, you know, there's levels to the work and like, there's levels to the success and the achievement, I think. But like, if you peel that back, there are levels to the work that got there. Yeah. Right? Unless you're like some trust fund baby or won the lottery or something, but those people never make it anyway. Like, but, you know, I just think that's interesting to peel back and know. I, I didn't even know it was for five, six years that you were doing that. Yeah. I used to have on my mirror during that time, it said, like, short-term sacrifice, long-term reward. And I had it broken down. Like, if I lived 75 years, what percentage of my life is a five-year sacrifice, right? Like, a super small percentage. And so I was like, oh, I, could, I could sacrifice for that. Yeah. I did that on a meeting, actually, a month ago. Chunked a life off into, like, just, like, just like one year little chunks on like a little meter yep. chart and then blocked like a few off. And then yeah. I was like, I was like, what if that part of your life like sucked? I was like, people like, Oh, whatever. It's only a little part. Like, yeah. So that's what I want you to do. That's right what now. you got to think about. That's what you need to start right now. Yeah. If you don't already feel like it's really like, kind of like you're going hard and you're like sacrificing all your time. Like if you really want, like, it depends what you want. If you don't care, if you don't want to be, you know, that guy, if you don't want to be, you know, achieving great levels of success in the industry that you're in, you know, you can just be average. That's right. fine. But you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to be big, you got to work big. Yeah. I think it was Megan that asked me this one time. It was a long time ago, but she was like, um, was it worth it? Like I was telling her how hard the summer was my second year and kind of what had come from it. And she asked me like, well, was it worth, you know, what you put into it? And I was, I took a minute to think, and I, I remember saying, like, I would have dug holes in the rain and the darkness, you know, for five months over the summer to be able to put myself in the position that I was then in because that was going to propel me for, like, the rest of my life, right? And so, like, like I was willing to do anything um, to get to that point. And so I think that you have to have that mentality if you're coming from kind of where I came from to be able to get to this point. Like, you have to be willing to to do what it takes kind of thing it's easy to say but it's hard to do for a long period of time it's hard to do a lot of sacrifice that comes with it a lot of mental strife and some dark periods and some yeah you're mad that you're missing stuff like you're upset that your friends are doing fun stuff that you're not like definitely stuff like that will come yeah the the what the hell am i doing type of feeling right um okay so last thing i wanted to ask so now we're you're you're the ripe age of 31 31 I'm old yeah 
it's relative. <laughs> yeah. Um, compared to me, old man. Um, thirty one. How many? How many doors of real estate do you own? Uh, I believe it's like a hundred and eleven doors. It's like thirty three million in like cumulative value. Yeah, not bad. Um, start. Yeah, it's a start. You could call that a start. Yeah. It's a big start. Yep. Um, and that brings you some some monthly income. Yep. Yeah. What is, did you do? You have good figures on that. Yeah. Right once now? I so I'm helping to develop 21 um, townhomes in Spartanburg right now. Once I finish that and we get our office fully renovated and leased up, it'll bring in like a hundred and thirty five thousand a month. Okay. Um, and the net on that is like probably close to 60,000 after paying all the mortgages and expenses and everything. So it could make me about $700,000 a year if expenses and things are pretty under control. Okay. But that's yeah. still a couple months away once we finish all those projects that are underway right now. Yeah. Living in a extremely nice house, by the way. Your Thanks. house is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, we I know. It's you... a dream to wake up there, dude. It is. Yeah. Every day I'm grateful for that place. I say it is because like, I can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> if you ever want to have me over again, just let me know. I'll stay in the I'm guest sure room. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, yeah, you got that going on. Got the wife, got the dogs, uh, got the cars, got a little boat, got a dock. Yeah. Living in a cool place. I know we talk about this sometimes, but like what's um, materially or like that fire, I'm curious, like kind of my last question for you is like, what's, what's next? What do you, what do you want now? Yeah. I actually, there's not a single like material thing that I like really, really want anymore. Like I, there's nothing that I think like, oh, I really need to make this amount of money so I can get this. I think it's kind of like twofold. I told Braden this last night on my drive, like part of the reason why I still work really hard is so that like I can be a support figure to them working hard so that Braden can drive a McLaren by the time he's, you know, 25 or, you know, you can go and get your supercar, you know, next year. Or I can help you get to, you know, 10 doors of real estate faster by me helping to give you some of the mistakes I made along the way. Or like, that's the reason why I'm still, you know, super motivated. And then aside from that, like the real, you know, next chapter, I think is like Megan and I are, are super happy in our marriage. And I think the next chapter is to like start a family and really to be able to start cultivating the, the mini Damons. I told Megan, we're going to have four little boys. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, but I, uh, I think that's the next step, right. To be able to continue to, to grow our marriage and, um, you know, start having a family and, and start kind of bringing some, some grandkids to my parents and, uh, while doing that still continue to to be just as focused and active and i've kind of i've i started off thinking that i could do like this many businesses a long time ago maybe four or five years ago and i've kind of like just dwindled it down to where i realized i only want to do like active and real estate like i just want to spend all my time with active people and developing what we have at active and then putting that income into real estate and making that as passive as possible where i don't have to deal with the the day-to-day -day of it but i think that's the the recipe for the future for me i'm gonna be a uh uh you know a partner adaptive and then like coach all my kids sports teams and hang out with megan and do some cool travel and go to st bars with you nice love that but you still might get like a you still might get like a jet one day i still think that in the next five years i'll have a plane and some kind of yacht but i don't know exactly the time frame on this i just the way i do everything is once my passive income 
will pay for the payment of the toys, then that's kind of when I, I make that step. So I'm a little ways away from the paying for the jet. Yeah, you got to fly the little dames around on the jet. Someday. Yeah, that'd be cool. And like have them playing on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Have them open the draw. We can still charter <laughs> before true. we own, but. True. Um, well, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, I always say, I always say this, dude. I always talk in my interviews when I'm like interviewing kids when coming to work with us. Like, um, definitely like the main inspiration of mine to start off in this industry and like keep going and push. So, you know, I'll say it from me, say it from the heart. I know it's the same for a lot of other people. Like you've definitely succeeded in that goal of being that guy that a lot of people can look to and like push and, and, and stick around and work for this company. You've had like an immeasurable value to this company just by attracting, um, people like, like the guys in my group are such good people. And, you know, a lot of this, none of this would be here without you obviously but a lot of the continued growth and a lot of like my inspiration and a lot of guys in our group's inspiration wouldn't exist without you still putting in the work so i guess just to validate that you know you're it's it all hasn't been for for nothing and continuing that i know has been really inspirational for a lot of people and changed a ton of lives so i appreciate that yeah thanks it means a ton coming from you and i look up to you in many ways as well and i'm excited to continue our friendship and keep working together as well Hell yeah, dude. Um, last thing, what's a, a YouTube channel, Instagram? How can people find you? How yeah. can people look at your content? So, so my YouTube channel is super easy. It's just Damon Lily. Lily is L-I-L-L-Y. And then my Instagram is at Damon Lily underscore. D-A-M-O-N. Yes. L-I-L-L-Y underscore. That's it. For the Instagram, the YouTube is just Damon Lily. That's it. Any other things that you need us to check out? Now, nah, if you find those, my Great, link tree is in my bio, and then okay. uh, you'll see all the other stuff on there. My website and stuff's in there. All right, dude. Thanks. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll Likewise. To, Thanks we'll for to. having me on, bro. We're uh, let's go sit courtside at the Hornets tonight. Let's do it. All right, bro.